Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Hey, welcome back. Hi, Mom. Hi, babe. How are you? Happy Happy Thursday, but it's really a Tuesday, but happy Thursday, Tuesday. <laughs> happy Thursday, Tuesday. I really wish it was Thursday. Me too. In all actuality. But it is Thursday for you guys, and welcome to episode seven of Murder With My Mother, where I talk murder with my mama. And I hope you guys had time to uh, miss us, because we've been gone for two weeks this time instead of one. I know, we're playing hard to get, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so. So this week, we have a pretty strange case for you guys. Uh, I mean, all these cases are pretty strange, because, you know, getting into the minds of these people is pretty strange. This one is a little more sexually deviant, I think. That makes it a little more strange. I guess they're all sexually deviant, but this one is differently sexually deviant. Yeah, so we are going to cover today the uh, murders, break-ins, and well, of course there's murder, or we wouldn't be talking about unmurder with my mother, but... Uh, yeah, this one has some uh, quite a few thefts leading up to it, like in the 80s, I do believe. Yeah, no, there's 82 break-and-enters, two vicious sexual assaults, and two heinous murders that he took his time with the break and enters and then he escalated like super quickly with the sexual assaults and the murders once he became hands-on then he couldn't take his hands off yeah yeah so if anyone has guessed we are covering the disgraced well now disgraced once decorated colonel russell williams a canadian icon at one time he was the colonel of the base at trenton very, very, very decorated. Spent time with all levels of government. Turned out to be a deviant murderer. Sexual weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, he drove. I know in 2005, he actually even flew, like, the Queen and Prince Charles came. And he was in charge of, he was their pilot. wonder how they felt about that later on. Yeah. Oh, dear. So it was January in 2009, and there's a place in Ontario called Orleans. So it's right by our nation's capital, which is Ottawa. And Brenda Constantine and her husband, Brian Rogers, and their children just came home after they were away for a couple of days. The daughter, who was 15 years old, went up to her room and came down and was like, all my underwear are gone out of my drawer. (laughs) And that would have taken me till the next day to... Real notice. Yeah. Well, good thing she pays attention. Yeah. I would be freaked out too. So she kind of was like, no, no, I didn't do it. The mom was like, basically thought that she just lost them or if they fell on the ground or whatever. Cause you don't yeah. think what's going to about to happen, happen, obviously. So then they realized that some bathing suits were missing, some pictures of her were missing. Creepy. So yeah. So they called the police. There was also, like I said, there's photos gone and dresses and underwear and bathing suits but there was also the police told them that they should sanitize her dresser area because they found semen on it so mm. if that leaves any mystery to what he was doing or the, the intruder was doing obviously a male intruder was doing with the photos of this young girl and yeah so 
Um, and that, like I said, that was in 2009. And so in that area, there were 34 similar break-ins between 2008 and 2009. Yeah, they called them just peculiar because things like that were missing. There were quite a few reported, but you know, not, not all of them that were being done were reported because the people didn't actually even know that someone had been in their house for half of them. Well, I think too that they escalated as probably up until 2009 when it was like a noticeable thing where he took like absolutely everything. I think up until then he probably just had been taking like one or two pairs yeah. of underwear or something. Yeah. And then right away, then he was just, I guess, wanted all of them. This wasn't enough options when he got home. Yeah. In 2004, him and his wife bought like a little lake house, like a cottage in the town of Tweed. So Tweed is midway between Ottawa and Toronto. It's a lake community, like a vacation community. So it's quite small. Yeah. So his wife and him just use would use it for just like getaways and they'd go there with friends and stuff like that. So yeah, because in so 2007, then, he started spending a lot of time there on his own. Okay. And a lot of weird break-ins started happening on Cozy Cove Lane starting in 2007. Oh, God. But in 2009... He, he was basically living yeah. on Cozy Cove Lane while his wife lived in the city during the week. Yeah, because CFB Trenton was right there. So it was yeah. much more accessible to him during work days, right? So he would go see his wife... Mary Elizabeth on weekends or she'd come there on weekends and they kind of would just swap out. In 2005, he was promoted to wing commander, which is a good, I don't know much about like rank in the military, but he's in the Air Force. Nor do I. Yes. Okay. So maybe someone can <laughs> let us know. So if we um, fuck it up, then yeah, we sorry. don't judge us. We pre-apologize yeah. because we know we're going to fuck it up. So, yeah. but, um, so he was wing commander, but then again, like we said, July 2009, he was appointed base commander of CFB Trenton, which is a big... Th well, that's the head honcho, isn't it? Yeah, well, CFB Trenton's like where all of the... If, if you're going to war, if you're being deployed, that's the last place that you are on home soil. That's the last place that all the soldiers the jets, come in and out right? of. Yeah, and he was in the Air Force, so obviously he was in charge of the Air Force there. So it was the 8th wing, I believe okay. it's called. In the first five months when he was living more so in his lake house in Tweed on Cozy Cove Lane, there were 10 break-ins reported in the first five months of his new role. At so CFB basically Trenton. like two a month. Yeah. So. Cozy. Cozy Cove. Yeah. I guess people were not, I mean, they were much cozier before this came out because these yeah. are like super weird, uneasy crimes. Like they would make you feel very violated. Yeah. Because of his new role, he was in charge of doing a lot of press. So he would do a lot of press. He would go away. The whoever, government. The government. Yeah. Yeah. So on September 16th of 2009, he came home from a meeting up in the Arctic. He had a big meeting with a bunch of the top pilots in the Arctic. And the next day he broke into a woman's home and the woman had just had a baby. Yeah, the baby was only eight weeks old. She was bound to a chair and uh, she was sexually assaulted and he took, like, made her pose for all these photos. Let's talk about the beginning of that, though. He, she woke up to him being Ugh. in her bedroom. That's like the wor your worst fear. With a mask on. You know, because you always think if you, like, when I had dreams or I've had dreams that are scary yeah. and feel real and then you wake up from that dream, that relief that Imagine, you have. yeah. Imagine waking up and realizing it's not a dream and there's no relief and you're fucking terrified because there's this creepy person shining this flashlight in your face yeah. and your baby, especially when you're a new mom, you're so... You know, like, well, yeah, you're like obsessively, animal, yeah, protective, like, right? Instinctually protective of your newborn, and then 
there's an intruder standing in your bedroom in the middle of the night. And how you feel about your own body what, right after you Yeah, baby, you right? feel like you've been through war and back. Well, you're poor, you know, you're, you're <laughs> exactly, your nipples are raw, you're, you know, yeah, like. Everything. Yeah, everything's raw, yeah. especially if you have, you know, a baby the regular old-fashioned way, like, and especially to be sexually assaulted, you know, eight weeks postpartum, like, that's the last thing that should be happening to your body. Even someone taking photos of you naked yeah. when you're postpartum has got to be a violation, for sure. I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Another weird thing that he did to the first victim was he made her count to 300 before she, like, opened her eyes, or I guess, right? Yeah, and then, so she was counting. She couldn't hear anything, and by the time she got to 70, she stopped counting, and he was still standing there. Ew, imagine you turn around, and he's, like, uh, still, and we'll put some pictures, because, well, and all the pictures, he has the same face. When you see this guy's face, it's very like his eyes are very piercing and he's very like he looks like empty, but then again, it's like just like a normal dad guy. Yeah, that's why it's so weird because, especially because he was such a decorated part of our, you know, that, yeah. I I think though, (laughs) while he was breaking into um, the first two assault victims' houses, he did have his face covered Mm. with a mask. So, yeah. But I mean, regardless, he covered covered, uh, the first victim, Jane Doe. We still don't know her name. Yeah, there was a publication. Uh, yeah, there was a publication that originally on both of the first sexual, like on the sexual assault victims. Yeah. So the first one was victim number one, Jane Doe, and she's the one that had the baby. And then on September thirtieth, so it was like what thirteen days, twelve days later. Yeah. So uh, Lori Masakati, who was in, I believe, in her forties. Uh, was watching TV and ended up falling asleep on her couch. Which I do that all the time. How yeah, creepy would that so be? Do I. And then she woke up because she was having a dream that she couldn't breathe and she woke up and she really couldn't breathe. And there was a man um, suffocating her with her couch blanket that she fell asleep with. And then he just Jesus. started punching her in the head over and over. Yeah, and she said that she asked him, are you going to kill me? And he replied, well, there would be no need for that. Yeah. Like, like just, well, you're just going to punch. No, we're just going to have tea. Yeah, we're just, just going to sit here and violently punch you and then while she you're told sleeping. Him, and she told him that she had, that her head hurt after he was punching her in the head. And he took her to the bathroom and got her some headache medication. Well, at least he was caring. Yeah. Right, right before he cut, off of her, cut her clothes off and tied violently her to a chair sexually. and sexually assaulted her. And then proceeded to take photos. So the exact same M.O. as the first time, except for he was more violent in the beginning with this one. Well, yeah, because victim number one, he didn't beat like that. He didn't, know, And it's what makes me wonder if it was because she had a new baby. Yeah, I'm not sure because he was aware of the baby, obviously, and he'd been watching for a while because he kept asking her, where's the father of your baby? Who's the father of your baby? So mm. Lori Masakati didn't have a baby, so she had older kids, I think, but... Yeah, he was beating her like while she was still asleep. So that's yeah. pretty ruthless. Each each crime he becomes almost more enraged. It's... Yeah, like more more of control is being exuded. Yeah. For sure. So after that, that kind of sent it was a really small town, like cozy cove lane. Like it just sounds like a small street, you know? So after that Well, they... she was so she called nine one one. She managed to call nine one one after he made her count and he finally left. She says that the police didn't show up for five hours and she was tied up. And when they did show up, one of the police officers 
told her that there had been an assault that many days earlier on the same street and he apologized to her for not um, getting it out to the media. Damn. Such a shame when something could have been, you yeah. know, you could be on your guard or prepared. And we keep seeing that. I mean, that's kind of a um, theme that repeats over and over and over with these cases. You know, like if, if things are just done properly, I think, I think the police worry about like creating mass chaos in a neighborhood in fear, but wouldn't that be better that would be than better. other people exactly. getting? You could be vigilant. You could be aware, yeah. hypersensitive. Like my favorite podcast, they always say, keep your head on a swivel, you know? And it's yeah. true because you really... Not to freak everybody out, but your eyes are a little more open when you are aware of what's going on. You can protect better protect yourself. Yeah, like notice your surroundings. Look around. Look up. Look down. You know, listen to your intuition. Something people don't do enough. Your intuition is always right. PSA. We always like to do these PSAs. (laughs) After initial investigation of these sexual assaults, they came to the conclusion that, well, they thought their first suspect that they had was Larry Jones who was a Cozy Cove resident as well and lived right beside Russell William. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that one. <laughs> so Larry Jones actually said that he didn't have very many conversations with Russell Williams. He said he did have a conversation where, and he said it was really quite strange because he asked him out of nowhere. Like he said he was always kind of quite, not cold, but kind of, you know, distant. standoffish yeah. and distant for a neighbor. I mean, a lot of people don't like to talk to their neighbors, which I don't blame them. So he said that he vividly remembers him one day being like, hey, Larry, where's that spot you said again? Where's your favorite hunting spot? And, you know, Larry's like, oh, and if you see him and he's in a couple interviews, he's like the cutest, most Canadian man I've ever seen ever. (laughs) And he's like just super cute, like a little grandpa. And he he says, you know, I, I told him where my favorite hunting spot was and blah, 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 blah. And then. And that'll sort of resurface again oh, later. God, yeah. Larry's favorite hunting spot will come back. Yeah, again. so Larry also talked about, you know, in a small community, if someone looks at you for something like that, you're automatically guilty. As soon as the neighborhood catches wind, like, like you know, I was basically, it, everyone thought it was me. How do you convince the them pervert. otherwise? Yeah, like Larry the pervert. So in November of 2009, uh, Anne Marsan Cook So she was a music teacher and she lived in an old farmhouse, but she was a music teacher at CFB Trenton, the base. Yeah. So she lived in a farmhouse um, in Belleville, which was off the highway, right off the highway. And so it was actually her birthday party and she was getting ready. And you know how when you're in like a rush to go somewhere, it's kind of like I know for myself, it's very the mind on the prize like I'm going out like I don't really pay attention to too much except for like my makeup my hair my dress my whatever you know and so she said she was rushing around and she went into her room and noticed that the bedside tables the drawers were open and I I don't know how people keep them there it's not a bible at my house either so (laughs) well I can't really say since since you're the mother yeah yours is a bible (laughs) Yeah. Mine is definitely a Bible in my side table. Yes. Not what this woman had in her side table. No. So she said that right away she noticed that her side tables were open, the drawers were open, and her dildos were all missing. That's what she, her own words, she said, my... You know, this, she's a cute I little French lady. I think she had lady. quite an expansive um, collection, collection of her tickle trunk. Dildos yeah. Uh, her Nothing neighbor... Yeah. <laughs> so her neighbor was over because he was taking her to her birthday party. Obviously she was going to, I think they were kind of seeing each other a little bit too. Like it looks like that in the interviews. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so even the way that they talk, they end each other's sentences and stuff, I thought that right away. And he's very, he's maybe the most Canadian man I've ever seen because he <laughs> was like, oh, that's just crazy. You know, we're not, eh? gonna, yeah, we're not, we're not going to. dildos were missing, eh? Yeah. Well, he's like, what kind of Yahoo would take something like that? Right. <laughs> and because she, for me, I would feel that would violate me right away. If I noticed that stuff was missing, I would probably call the police. And, but thinking about exactly what do you say my dildos are missing <laughs> so he said you know we're going to be the laughing stock of the police so maybe just maybe just don't pretend that your dildos <laughs> yeah. aren't missing i'll buy some new ones maybe. yeah maybe don't that shit's expensive too. right <laughs> not that i would know no and so then uh she went out had a great time for her birthday probably subconsciously super creeped out that someone stole her dildo she also checked um all the doors in the house before she left and made sure that they were locked. Yeah, all of them. They, uh, yeah. they deadbolted the they deadbolted the kitchen door and locked all the windows. Yeah. Like, kind of made sure because she, at first she thought it was like someone in her house that was playing a trick on her, but no one else was home. So she, yeah, so they locked everything and she went out to her birthday. And she didn't come home that night. She no. stayed at her, uh, her neighbor's her house. Her neighbor's slash lover's house. Yeah. And so the next morning, she had an home, a home office, so she probably did some kind of home office whatever, whatever you do when you have a home office. Record and, podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as we sit in a home office. And so she came upstairs quickly to photocopy something in her home office and the neighbor was downstairs, the neighbor lover was downstairs and she had an old computer in her office and there was a message typed on it and the message said, Go ahead, call the police. I want to show the judge your really big dildos. So she obviously like lost it because that's the creepiest message ever. Because now you have that concrete evidence that someone actually stole your dildo. And someone was actually in your house listening to the debate about calling the police. Because otherwise exactly, you wouldn't, wouldn't have known. And he, she didn't really realize until she went into her bedroom and all her underwear were gone. Oh, yeah. And, like in both of her drawers, like they were completely empty. And yeah, that's pretty much when she realized like he was, someone was in the house listening to her conversation and in the house when she thought she was alone. And yeah, so. Ugh. That is really freaky. And it's sad because, so that was in earlier, the earlier part of November. And on November 25th in 2009, Marie France Como, who also worked at CFB Trenton, she was a military flight attendant. She was murdered and she was found asphyxiated in her room, wrapped up in her blankets. Yeah, her boyfriend actually found her. Weird break-ins and stuff were continuing to happen. A lot of them, like I said, that were happening were actually un happening under the radar. Like they were, like people were not noticing. Well, and another thing too is that because it was happening in two different areas, the police hadn't put it together that it was one person working in two different areas. Yeah, because the different jurisdictions. Like, we, uh, like it always happens. Mm -hmm. That's the main one. Yeah. We've got some main themes that go on in these stories. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a big one because there were three, I think, different jurisdictions that this was happening on. Two or three. And they were not, they yeah, don't communicate yeah. between. And I'm, there's super deviant sexual crimes happening. And those are yeah, probably like maybe, related. Yeah, probably. Like you should look around at the district. Yeah. Block over and see if shit's going down there too. Well, especially these kinds of things like missing sex toys, missing lingerie, missing underwear. 
those are common crimes that two happen. sexual assaults and yeah. now we're at a murder where they're bound yeah the murder though um so for marie france her murder was not linked to this ever until well his later his confession right yeah. so because her murder was this was his first murder so i think that it's more of like it was never probably meant to be a murder. That's usually, I know, what just happens the first time. And then they kind of get that bloodlust and then yeah. go after that again, seeking it differently. Because then in January uh, of 2010, Jessica Lloyd, who was 27 years old, she she went missing. Oh, well, 1030, she texted yeah. a friend and said Text goodnight. a friend and said night, goodnight. Night. Yeah. And then she didn't show up to her job the next day, which was completely out of character for her. So... When they called, her job called her family and her brother went over to her house and... Her phone was there. Her purse yeah, was still there. Was there. It's the, the key things where you know, okay, yeah. alarm bell, ding, ding, ding. Like someone did not leave yeah. on their own free will because they would have brought their cell phone with them. They would have brought their purse with them. ID, you know, you got to pay for anything. If they're going somewhere that they're going, um, you know, their yeah, choosing Yeah, and her car go. was still there and everything yeah. else was still there. So a man named Lyle Barker happened to be driving past Jessica's house at about three o'clock in the morning of the night she went missing and remember seeing an SUV parked in a little field that was kind of in between the highway and her house and he said that he even said he was driving with his cousin and he said to his cousin it's weird that that car is there that SUV it's weird like it was like something that Which he remembered to him because yeah. I probably wouldn't even know that no <laughs> but hey you went you don't give yourself enough credit. Your intuition most yeah. of the time, you know, yeah, you're pretty spot on, especially being a teenage daughter of yours at once upon a time. But I was creepy. You're pretty fucking spot on. Deep, <laughs> deep in the creek. Oh, yeah. So the next day, because her family knew that she was missing, because it was very out of character, there was posters, there was search teams, there was everything put up. And Lyle Barker went to the police because on the way, his way home, because he had initially, on uh, the night of the 28th, he had been going out of town. So he was coming back into town the next day, and he saw that there was this huge search party for her. But he noticed that, okay, you know, yes, this girl's missing, but where this girl lived was right where he saw, the he saw this suspicious SUV at 3 o'clock in the morning that shouldn't have been parked there. And he, he was some kind of trucker or truck delivery driver, something like that. So he paid better attention to his surroundings, obviously, than you and I would, I guess. Yeah. Well, three o'clock in the morning. I mean, I wouldn't be out probably going to work. So no, but you know what? Now that I think about it, if you were on your way to work and you worked every night yeah. at three in the morning, you would notice. Yeah, especially like that. in a small place. Yeah. He put it together when he was coming home and he called the police and let them know that he had spotted a suspicious vehicle. And luckily, because good old forensics, they track the tires, and this is very commonly used. Was it snow that was yeah. on the ground? Yeah, so there See, was snow. In Ontario. And it didn't snow again since that. So it hadn't lucky. snowed. So they were lucky. So they got literally perfectly frozen tire tracks. And the tires, the type of tires they were, were not common tires. They were expensive. So they were the Toyo tires. Yeah. yeah. So those are some bougie-ass tires. So and I think one of them had an anomaly or something. Like, there was something where they would know exactly who's... Well, that's the thing about tires is because a lot of people, for myself, I know if I ever was driving away from somewhere and left my tire tracks, there's four, I'm pretty sure, four different tires on my car. 
You so cased right away. ghetto, but yeah, like, you know, four different tires and exactly if they yeah. were to take my tire prints, it would know right away. Yeah. So what they did is they actually put up a, almost like a, like a roadblock. But what they were doing is they, at tires. yeah, they were checking people's tire tread and tire marks, tire track marks. And he tread. went through the roadblock. Yeah, so he went through the roadblock, and they didn't obviously say like, "Hey, sorry, your tires match." Like, no. they didn't let him know. They had they they Just wanted his to, name and yeah, they wanted to pretty much keep the upper hand. And it's funny because when they initially went to go canvas the area after those break-ins and sexual assaults were happening, they were just about to go to his house, but his he wasn't home. And they asked the neighbor, like, who lives in that house? Who's His your name neighbor? was on the mailbox. Yeah. And then they said, oh, no sense in searching here. He's the court, the colonel. Yeah. I never understood, though, why is the word colonel spelled like colonel? Maybe that's really how you say it. <laughs> it's not. Because every the time colonel. I say it. Yeah. I'm always like, I, that, I, I don't know. That we'll just... have to do some thorough research on. <laughs> if any of you guys are military or have any kind of uh, military, let yeah, know. let us know because that has literally driven me crazy my whole life because I always want to go. It probably stems from a Latin word. Probably every word stems from Latin. There we go. <laughs> Mom's bilingual. Trilingual. So for all of you that didn't know that. <laughs> so they put up surveillance and they asked him Thursday, what, Thursday, February 4th is when the tires matched. On Sunday, February 7th, they called Russell Williams in and they told him about his tires. So obviously that happened after a really long, like that they told him and then he denied, denied, denied. The interview is actually online and it's nine hours long and it's really worth watching. watching. We didn't watch the whole entire nine hours. I, I did. thought, well, I, did. I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was condensed on Dateline or something that I watched. And they brought him in there at 3 p.m. and started questioning him. And they were like, um, so tell us about your life. And he was just chewing his gum and laughing. Well, it's pretty boring. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and the guy that was interviewing him was amazing. He kept his cool. He was, you know, just saying, like, hypothetically, if anything in here makes you want to request a lawyer or... Oh, he made him seem very non-threatened. Yeah, like totally. He was, he was yeah. great. He had his guard down. It's because yeah. he actually initially thought that he was just bringing him in there because they really thought it was his neighbor. Because yeah. Larry Jones was his neighbor. Larry. So he was he was in there ready to talk about Larry and Larry's, you know, suspicious activity that he had seen <laughs> or anything like that about Larry. He was but then, pinning shit on Larry, but he didn't know what they had on him. No, and then when they unveiled that they had the tire track the tire tracks and that they matched his car. And they had they had other stuff too. They said, like, would you be willing to give us a DNA sample? A buccal swab. If if your buccal swab matches DNA found, like hypothetically, what do you think? Yeah. Have you ever been to Marie France Como's house? Have you ever been? All these hypothetical yeah. questions where... And he was just like, it's so funny because you can see in the point of the interview where oh. his eyes all... You can see his heart basically beating through his sweater and you can see his eyes turn completely dark and beady. And They're like adrenaline eyes. Yeah, he totally had adrenaline eyes. Yeah. And so he was, he was actually starting to confess by 7.45. So... For uh, four hours and 45 minutes in yeah, was when he started the confess confession. So after he confessed everything, he pretty much helped them and told them everything. And 
so he led them to Jessica Lloyd's body. He admitted that he brutally murdered her. He he admitted first to Marie France Como. And he admitted, like, in graphic detail, in the most monotone voice, that basically he was just talking about what he had ordered at Denny's that day. Yeah, it was a very nonchalant. <laughs> yeah. It almost looked, and it kind of looks like this when you see a lot of interrogations where people are confessing when it's not coerced that it's almost like they're it's a relief yeah like yeah like they're saying and he's his biggest worry through the whole confession that took five more hours or whatever uh was that his wife wouldn't find out that Mm -hmm. was what he was the most worried about and he confessed um to a lot of other stuff that they didn't know about well that's the thing because they didn't know any of this stuff a lot of the break-ins because he went undetected a lot of people didn't even you know they just took it I've lost a couple pairs of underwear you know I think it's just like okay did I leave them are they in the laundry are they you know you just don't think about it but you know so some people didn't even know that they had their houses broken into until after he told them everything he let them know that all of his houses obviously they're going to go in and search everything and he let them know where all of his stuff was so you know what's so crazy about that is like i don't know if i'm just extra searchy or extra investigative but i know exactly what's in every single part of my house and when i was living with a partner i knew even where all their stuff was and if anything was moved so the fact that his wife didn't see any of that because there was when they went in and searched it's like boxes and boxes and boxes no everything all his trophies that he stole that's what you call them trophies when someone takes when a murderer takes something to remember or bring back those feelings from one of the crimes that they've committed it's called the trophy so not only did this guy have you know a couple trophies or just the ones from his murders or just the ones from his sexual assaults he had like over 82 separate photos of himself in women's lingerie, swimsuits, bikinis, everything was meticulously categorized. Yeah, cataloged. he was wearing young girls' underwear, yeah, old women's underwear. Hundreds and, and hundreds of underwears. Saved all the pictures for the spank bank. There's baby book or baby blankets. Yeah. There's like a lot of weird stuff. There's dildos. There's and boxes and boxes and boxes of these trophies, and they were meticulously Oh, like labeled. Yeah. It was the like colonel style. Yeah, like colonel style. Colonel. It was not. It colonial. was colonel. It was literally all like like date, time, place. Like everything was written. All the info from every attack, so he could pretty much go in and relive everything. My favorite, though. Side note: If you Google, Google him and hit image search. <laughs> Yeah, there's like all of hundreds the, of pictures of him come up with, of the same, but he has his same colonel face. Like it's like this. It's like you can look at a picture of him in his colonel outfit and is in his, you know, with with some high ranking official beside him and the face he has, and then you can look at it him in women's lingerie and underwear. Which that's fine if you do that, but just you know, don't steal other people's and don't don't kill murder people. people and sexually assault them to steal their underwear. You know exactly. So they also or found. Just go buy some. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Buy your own. Yeah. So they also found videos of Marie France Como's attack and, and murder, subsequent murder, murder, and also Jessica Lloyd's murder. 
So, Mom, if you want to go in with the details of those ones. Oh, so, so heart-wrenching. So, uh, with Marie Como, he had videotaped himself um, sexually assaulting her and beating her with a flashlight. And then he uh, murdered her by wrapping her head in duct tape. So, she was Affix asphyxiated yes. her. And um, she was assaulted for several hours before he killed her. And with Jessica Lloyd, he first assaulted her at her house. And then he took her in his Pathfinder. And she he beat her severely. And she had a couple seizures and was begging him to take her to the hospital. And he kept raping her until he murdered her also. And he strangled, he videotaped himself uh, asphyxiating and strangling her. And then he dumped her in his good old neighbor Larry's Cary Road favorite hunting spot. Yep. So that was like a very big proof of premeditation when he had already asked the man. Well, premeditation and he's trying to clearly frame and set up so that it looks like he has an out. So yeah, that Larry, like Larry Jones did it. Yeah, well, they already he word on the street was everyone thought Larry Jones did it anyway. So if he's got all this stuff, he's got the backup. But they didn't find anything originally when they executed the search warrant and Larry Jones. They cleared him because they they couldn't tie him to anything substantial that said like, oh, you know, this guy's not just a creepy Canadian guy that lives on Cozy Cove Lane. But this is pretty much what Russell was looking for to make it so that he could say like, oh, well, my, my neighbor Larry always hunt. You know, you could see where he was going with well, this. Well, and Russell, I mean. Other than the fact that he was so stupid about the tires and the snow and stuff like that, I mean, he got away with this. They figure he was breaking into houses from 2005. But you know what? Probably you, his whole life. And that's what I mean. You do not just start doing that. That's no. something. And, you know, for majority of people that start off like this, this starts in puberty because yeah. it's something that that's his that's one of his his things something that gets him going yeah when you when you're going through puberty your hormones are running rampant they're going crazy and you start to do weird stuff that's not that's not he didn't just start doing that in 2005 no and but my point was is that he was such an intelligent man i mean look he rose up the ranks of to the top of the air force look at mr theodore bundy and then he did something so <laughs> stupid by having oh yeah fucking yeah. toyo tires yeah no but you know what? I think also your head gets big. You know, you've gotten away with yeah, this. Yeah, you got are a big head. you are the colonel of a bad hair. C yeah horrible CFB Trendon and like no one you're untouchable because yeah everyone's look how much, beneath you for sure. Well, and look at how much shit you've gotten away with already. Like yeah. you're for sure. You know, you get that you get into that mindset of like nobody can touch me and yeah clearly I'm Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I'm sure Colonel Sanders also had. Oh, Mom's starting to get tired. Colonel. <laughs> um, so after that, um, after all, like he was charged, obviously, because he confessed. You know, he, he sat there and told them everything they needed to hear. So he was charged with the two deaths and two counts of forcible confinement and two counts of breaking and entering just based on those confessions. So the two murders. And it took it took them like, 10 months or something to get his DNA back so yeah and the well he was charged because it was the two sexual assaults the one yeah. on uh Jane Doe and then on uh, Lori, Lori on Lori Masticotti 
so he was that's where he was charged with two counts of forcible confinement and breaking and entering was for their the crimes committed against them so on march 26th he signed his ottawa house over to his wife so his and i think they filed for separation right then also well because you have to see i mean later on victims believed that the wife knew what was going on and like you kind of touched on living with someone and not knowing where you know all that like sorry what are these 45 boxes of random shit in our basement or whatever you know like wouldn't you notice or wonder what that i was? myself yeah. would notice but i'm but you PSA know, warning to anyone i may date in the future a little bit of a noticer <laughs> of stuff yeah she notices <laughs> stuff. um but i mean maybe to a point you don't want to see that you know or you don't want to know what's in those boxes uh, that's i mean pretty, i would want to know but that's just up. our of course but maybe he was always kind of a weirdo. You can't just marry a guy that's weirdo, a weirdo, and then just expect him to un-weirdo himself. Yeah, like, but by all accounts from everyone, they were like the most normal, boring, older, like dull couple on the planet. There's actually rumors that they were like bearding for each other because they yeah. were both kind of weirdos. But we don't well, know that. I mean, that's all pure speculation just and rumor mills. So. Well, his best friend was quoted saying, there's an interview that he, I guess he had a girlfriend when he was in or the first years of college. And then after that, he, they were, there was a bad breakup and that's when he decided he's going to be a, a pilot. And he kind of made all these decisions that were like whirlwind. Like, ah. and, and also what happened was he didn't have a girlfriend ever until he all of a sudden announced to his friends that he was going to marry his wife, like yeah, who later so turned out to be his wife. So it was really weird because he had very close friends and for them not to even catch any wind that he even had a girlfriend or was like dating somebody and all of a sudden he's married. It, it's weird, but I mean. Well, there's a lot of sus shit going on <laughs> to quote Kears. A lot of stuff sus in this whole investigation. Yes, there's a lot of sus going on here. So April 3rd, he tried to kill himself by stuffing a cardboard paper like a tissue bathroom tissue roll toilet paper roll yeah toilet paper roll down his throat he wrote a suicide note first on the wall in mustard which he must I don't have know, like would mustard really could you read a suicide note in mustard for sure you never i got must i've gotten mustard on so much yeah, of but have stuff. you written in mustard no but like mustard really dries darker well, than you think yeah and it really dries darker than you think it's going However. to Blood, I think, would be better than mustard if you're already going to kill yourself. Yeah, but look at him. He's trying to swallow a paper towel roll. <laughs> Clearly, he's really not trying to, like, you know, do the job. Because those disintegrate so fast anyway. Like, anyway. So, not only that. So, April 30 did that. April 7th, he went on a hunger strike. Because that he... The day before, he'd gotten taken off of Suicide Watch now that there was no more paper towel rolls in his cell. The mustard was all gone, so they yeah, figured it was safe. But that, on April 7th, he went on a hunger strike. On April 29th, after looking through all the trophies and comparing the things that were reported, any crimes that were reported, and going and obviously, you know, finding... And they tied it to the two different places. Well, they tied it to, yeah, the everywhere. So yeah. he kind of let them know where he was working, and then they went through all his evidence, and they... Pretty much let all the families know, like, hey, you know how... There was a killer in yeah, his bedroom. Sorry. sorry about that. There was actually... And, and, like, we mentioned, a lot of people didn't even have any idea because one or two pairs of missing underwear, you know, missing pictures. Nobody... They didn't put those... They didn't think anybody had been in their home. Well, and a lot of the victims that he took 
unmentionables from were like 11 year old girls and 12 year old yeah, girls. Yeah, they lose like, shit all the time anyway. Yeah. I lose shit all the time. I'm, you know, at that age, you're losing stuff all the time to keep under. But imagine knowing there had been someone that killed two women and assaulted two women in your child's bedroom wearing her bathing suit or her underwear or coming on her dresser. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so there were eight ejaculating, sorry. <laughs> ejaculating on her dresser. Yeah. There were 82 counts in total of breaking and entering. So 46 of them were in Tweed, which Tweed is a tiny little lake town. Yeah, so there's probably literally 50 houses there yeah. and he targeted 46 Jacked of them. Off 46 of them. One <laughs> of them was his own, so so two of them were in Belleville, which is where um, the lady whose dildos were taken. She lived in Belleville, right, yeah, off, right the off the highway. highway. So there was another person around her. We're and then go do a tour of this place. Yeah. So nice farmhouse. Or did you want to go for the dildos? <laughs> <laughs> well, They're not there anymore. So, um, And then there was 34 of them that took place in Ottawa. On May 6th of that same year, it was Lori Massacotti, actually. She's pretty ballsy, actually. She... She is says she's 100% sure that his wife was aware of the whole thing and that um, separating and the sale of their house was a loophole. Yeah, so, so that she, she sued didn't, him. Yeah, sue so him she for didn't anything. lose everything. Which, I mean, if she really had no idea what was going on and... and yeah, like if she didn't, then and can it, you fucking imagine if your husband did all that? No! You're... I've dated some guys where you figure some shit out after and you're like, damn, bitch, how did I miss that? You know, so. <laughs> never mind, like. Never mind, like, he's, like, especially, okay, to have a husband who is in this ranked official position and you have, you know, imagine and she you, was actually the head of the Cancer Society of Canada. Yeah, so she's a. Like, also, like a prestigious yeah. job title, and then that's really what's going on when you're not with him. That's fucking crazy. I would, yeah, I would have a lot of issues after that. I hope she got some counts. Me too. She, she needs like a lifetime. The wife obviously denied knowing anything. She said, you know, she was completely broken and devastated. Everyone and that she knew filed her, for divorce very quickly after she found out. So I think. That's what she was also, if she was telling the truth. Well, she had, yeah, she said she had no idea. So on June 24th, his lawyer asked for an extension and on, they set the pretrial to start for August 26th. And that day when he came to court on August 26th, he actually waived his right to a preliminary hearing, which is essentially when you, the defense, your defense team gets to hear everything that the crown has against you so yeah. you can so he waived his right to that so he was basically like, I know well, what you guys it's have. all fucking cataloged he knew exactly what was there well yeah because he cataloged yeah. it himself yeah. right so he signed that he could over. be the best witness for the defense that they had yeah so on august 7th when he went to court he told the judge that on future date on the 18th he was planning to plead guilty to everything Absolutely everything, which is great because he should have. Well, and it saves the victims' families. Well, yeah, and when you just basically sign everything over to them and, you know, sign on on the dotted line, this is what I did. Here's all my 45 boxes of cataloged evidence for you guys that links you to crimes that you didn't even know happened. Yeah. Well, and he probably had a prudent side since he was a colonel. (laughs) <laughs> that was going to make him save money for the government also. Well, that comes up because he was trying to get his military pension later Jeez. when he was in jail. What's up with these murderers thinking they're just entitled to pension? Fucking Canada. But his was a military pension and he so actually was, was getting one. it. Yeah. yeah. 
And he got it. He was, like, oh. living off of it, which, I mean. Jeepers, creepers. And when all of this was said and done to save the families, he pled guilty to save himself, I'm sure, from the embarrassment, to save his wife, to save the military. And it's funny because in his interrogation, when they first started to kind of say to him, like, you know, you did this or, you know, like they're insinuating he did it. He says to them, like, oh, well, the room, once the rumor mill starts, you guys better watch what you guys say. You guys better watch. You don't want to, you don't want to accuse the military of this and blah, blah, blah. Like he's trying to really. Until two hours later when he starts coldly confessing. When his eyes turn crazy. Yeah. Yeah. When it's all said and done, he was sentenced to two terms of life with no chance of parole for 25 years. And that was for. The first degree murders of Corporal Marie France Como and Jessica Lloyd. And he was also sentenced a year per every charge that he had. So there was 82 lesser charges of breaking and entering and all that stuff. And so he was sentenced one year per crime. So, so 82 years. 82 plus years. Two first degree murder sentences, which would be 25 years each without the possibility of parole because it's first degree. Yep. And his sentence also included uh, that he wasn't allowed to ever possess a weapon. Well, that's good because he'll be in jail. Yeah. But I mean, even if he got out, because really it's Canada. Well, there so was weirder shit happened. Clause, yeah. Exactly. It's not. Yeah, and he didn't even use weapons, really. Like, if you no, he yeah, like it should be like he's not wrap. allowed to, not allowed to own a camera, not allowed to wear lingerie, like we're not like, allowed to have saran wrap. Yeah, and so another thing is he's uh has to register as a sex offender, which good if he ever got out. Uh, he had to submit DNA samples, and he had to pay, which I don't know how I feel about this, a hundred dollars victim, like a victim fee for every victim, every person he victimized, he had to pay a hundred dollars. So like all 84 underwear that he stole? Uh, well it totaled, so a hundred dollars each, it totaled to $8,800. So, so 88. Yeah, but that's weird. It is weird. And he still hasn't paid it. (laughs) Isn't that weird? That's weird. Yeah. But can you imagine getting this money? Like you're an 11 year old kid and your mom gives you a hundred dollars and says, here, honey, go see a movie with this. The man that jacked off on your dresser had to pay you this because he victimized Yeah, and, like, did too. they get their underwear back? Did I they get know. all that? Oh, you know. Expensive. Especially the dildo lady. She should go to extra. Underwear is so expensive. I went to go buy underwear the other day, and you know what? Lisenza, it's literally it's 6 for $34 or something. That's ridiculous. Anyway, so don't buy underwear. That's Just a crime. That's, that's, our next, that's, that's our next podcast. The murder of my wallet when it comes to buying underwear. I'm going no. commando. I'm going colonel. <laughs> So, disgraced Colonel Colonel Russell Williams is serving his sentence in the Kingston Penitentiary, Max Security Ward, known as the G-Block. I'm pretty sure Paul Bernardo is in there, and I think I read inmates like that, they get 23 hours uh, where they're in solitary confinement, and one hour a day where they get to frolic in the yard. I think even when they're out in the yard, though, that they're by themselves because it's very dangerous for them to be amongst the prison population, as we say in the past. In almost every episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're pretty much just alone. Yeah. I mean, who knows what they have access to because we've heard several cases of people, you know, being able to communicate quite freely and have pen pals. And yeah. Like we've said, like yeah. Canada's a little on the lax side when it comes to stuff like that. We love our country because it's a relaxed, beautiful place to live, but probably one of the best places to create a heinous crime and get your wrist. It'll be able to like raise your, like see your grandkids basically. Yeah. So have some, uh, as we said, with Kelly Ellard, have some conjugal visits and yeah, create your own get pregnant or whatever. Yeah. 
So that was the case of disgraced Colonel Russell, Russell Williams, Williams, the weird dildo stealer. <laughs> We will see you guys not next Thursday, but the Thursday after. And remember, everybody, just stay home. Keep the numbers down. Don't don't stop spreading COVID. All yeah, wear way. a mask and don't fight each other if you don't want to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, stay home. If you don't want to go into a store that doesn't allow your mask in there or does or whatever, don't fucking shop there then. Don't just keep everybody else safe. There's people we need to protect, some people we love and... And if you guys are bored, then feel free to go on our Instagram page and send us a message at Murder With My Mother Podcast, at Murder With My Mother Podcast. And you can send us some suggestions. If you want to do some research, you can send us some information. Yeah. I'm always we're always up for that. People. Yes. So, so Sonika, we're oh fuck, we're so show. Yeah. <laughs> So I've had a couple of suggestions that people have sent and uh, next week is my week to, or not next week, the week after is my week to do a case. So I know that uh, my friend Tyra sent me some interesting stuff and I'm going to take a look at that. I've got some interesting stuff from a couple other people and I'm going to take my two weeks and do some thorough investigating and Danica is going to join me on the next episode of Murder With My Mother where Danica talks murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Have a good one.